Hey friends, Tim here. Before we start the episode, we wanted to give just a moment for a pause and a breath in the midst of your work to support and participate in your communities during the COVID pandemic. In this episode, I talk about the relevance of Psalm 23 to the issue of climate change, but much of what I cover here also applies to our situation in the midst of our other pressing global crisis, COVID. The psalm shows us that even in the middle of great uncertainty and a valley dark as death, God is with us. God is providing for us, and we have the opportunity to walk in the paths of righteousness as we care for one another, both by our physical distancing and our creative connecting. As you work through all of that in your own context, we hope this psalm and our conversation about it are encouraging to you. So as a prayer for you in this moment of pause, we'll start with something a bit different, a song. This is my own arrangement of Psalm 23 in Hebrew. May God shepherd you as you shepherd your communities. We're praying for you. Adonai holy, lo echsan, binotesh yabitzeni. Almemenuchot yenachaleni nafshi. Hey, we're back. Welcome to First Reading, the Old Testament lectionary podcast for preachers, teachers, and all of God's creatures. I'm Tim McNinch. And I'm Rachel Wren. We are coming to you today with a beloved text, Psalm 23, uh, the text assigned for May 3rd, 2020. And uh, may the fourth be with you because this is the fourth Sunday of Easter. Ah. Our little little dork joke for the day. We got that out of the way. All so. Right. It's a beloved text, but I believe, Tim, you have a little bit of a rant about this text. Do you want to share with the class? 
<laughs> well, Psalm 23 is a wonderful, wonderful psalm, and we'll get to talk about it today again. Uh, we actually do have an episode on Psalm 23 because it came up in uh, the Easter season last year as well. And Rachel, you had kind of walked us through it from just sort of an exegetical walkthrough. It was wonderful. Our, our listeners can go back and click on that link in our podcast. But uh, having come across it twice now, I went back and actually looked in the lectionary. And for, for a lectionary that has to cut out so much of the Bible in order to pick out sort of the what it considers the most important bits for our three-year cycle. It's surprising to me that Psalm 23 actually comes up six times in that three-year cycle. Wow. So they could have, you know, found five other Psalms to <laughs> include. Oh, yeah. But no, Psalm 23 gets pride of place. And partly because it's such a great psalm. Agreed. It is a fantastic psalm. Um, and the nice thing about it is there's a ton in it, a ton of things that I didn't uh, touch on. So I'm sure that you were able to find some sort of different angle, too. Yeah. And in fact, uh, this will be a little bit of a different kind of an episode than what we normally do. I recently wrote a post for the Politics of Scripture blog, which is part of the Political Theology Network. I'm an editor for that. And we did a whole Munton um, series uh, based on the lectionary texts and in conversation with the theme of climate change. So, you know, you can go to politicaltheology.com and take a look at, at uh, that whole series. It's another sort of lectionary resource that might be helpful to, to you all out there trying to figure out what to preach on. Nice. But for this this little episode here on first reading, what I thought I would do is take some of those ideas that I uh, put together for that essay and use that as a kind of a, a way to talk about how to preach a topical sermon, in this case, one on climate change, that's actually still exegetical and not just sort of like proof texty, uh, finding bits of scripture to sort of pin onto our topical ideas. I think good sermons can do both. They can be on topic with with a contemporary topic, but also be truly exegetical from the text. And so that's that's what I'm trying to do with this. You all can judge whether I'm successful or not. But I just wanted to kind of put this out here as sort of an extended sermon angle on one particular way into the text. I, I like that. I, I think you're bringing up a really good distinction because I think when we preach on topics, the tendency can be to find, let me find verses that talk about this topic, um, which is, it abstracts the biblical text from its bigger context. And what I, what I like about what you're, you're kind of talking about here is you're, you're sort of more taking the topic of climate change and the whole text of Psalm 23 and saying, if we put those two things side by side, what comes to light? Um, and is that a fair way to describe what you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So we're we're sort of reading Psalm 23 alongside our concerns about global climate change, because climate change wasn't like the the thing that was in the psalmist's mind when they composed Psalm 23. So it would be eisegetical. It would be reading into it to. To say that um, you know our our concern was exactly their concern, but you're right. We can read our own context alongside Psalm 23, and productive things happen. I think when I was writing this essay, uh, I had the whole selection of lectionary texts to choose, and I actually had started working on another text 
the the first Samuel 16 anointing of David text. And I thought I'll do something about how God sees and how we see and our perceptions. And that was working. But then I read Psalm 23 and I thought, oh, this really helps me to think about climate change in a new way. And so that's what I ended up going with. Nice. Oh, I like I like how you frame that. Okay, so uh, lead us into it. What'd you find out? All right. Well, um, so let me back up to the beginning. It's interesting that this whole psalm really is an extended metaphor of a shepherd and a sheep, and it's told from the perspective of the sheep, right? I think the reason that this metaphor works is because the things that a sheep needs are actually the things that we need too. We need to be laid down in green pastures. In other words, we need green, oxygen-rich environments and, and abundant food. We need the waters of rest. We need clean water to survive. These are the like basic things that God provides in order to revive our nephish. Aha! I'm throwing nice. nephish in here. Nice. <laughs> so it's not just that that's pleasing to our soul, but that those are the things that we need to live. That's how God revives creaturely life is through the provision of food and water. And that's where I began to tie in the, the theme of climate change, because it's those very things that are at risk because of global climate change. The resources of food and water become scarce and are treated as commodities rather than rights. The habitability of the planet is not certain. Within a generation or so, we don't know what will happen. I think the idea of the valley of the shadow of death, you know, that's a great way to talk about what the next, you know, century or so looks like for us. Mm. And that's where we get to that somewhat rare Hebrew term, which is in verse four, it's on Mavit, the sort of death shadow. Coming back to the sheep image, it's kind of the image of a sheep wandering in the dead of night through a ravine that's so steep that even the light of the moon and the stars is blocked out. And as we sort of walk through that valley, there may be predators kind of hiding in the in the high ground, but they're imperceptible to us. They're masked by that samavet, that death shadow. And so we're we're facing that kind of a valley now. Well, and it's interesting, too, because even if you take it a step back from kind of that total annihilation, but just this idea of the abundance that the psalm talks about, which is so lopsided in the way we have approached our climate and our natural resources, such that you do have people like you and me who experience enormous abundance, and yet a huge proportion of the world experience enormous lack. Mm -hmm. In fact, some communities that are most vulnerable to the effects of climate change, like um, island communities or, or people who live in coastal floodplains and hurricane corridors, those are people who have already been sort of plunged deep into that darkness. And it's a place where we feel um, powerless and fearful because we're facing forces that are beyond our individual control. And so if we're going to make it through this valley, this valley of the shadow of death, and emerge into the light. We need a, a skillful guide. We need a good shepherd. The response to climate change in light of Psalm 23 has to be both theological and political. And that works pretty well for the Political Theology Network, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> bringing those together. But I think it's also faithful to what's going on in the psalm. Our response to climate change needs to be theological because it needs a new perspective on our relationship 
with the Creator. And Psalm 23 is really good at talking about our relationship with the Creator. It's got that, that sort of barrage of verbs with, with God as the subject. Lays me down, leads me, restores me, comforts me, prepares for me, anoints me, pursues me. All of this is orienting us to our creaturely dependence on God. Our problems and what we face ahead is more than any of us is equipped to handle. But ultimately, our needs are in the hands of the Creator. And so we can face that uncertainty and fear in the dark valley of climate catastrophe Because even there, as the psalm says, you are with me. And that's the the theological edge to this experience. And I like just to throw in a little Hebrew here, like the psalm uses the word imadi. It's not just you are here, imi, with me, but it's that more emphatic imadi, kind of contracting im, ad, ani. And I'd like to translate that right here with me. So God's not standing aloof from our mortal concerns. God is right here with us, engaged, protecting, providing. And that's where we get to the question that you were starting to raise earlier, because the first line of the psalm, right? Because God's our shepherd, we have everything we need. We don't lack anything, which is a like really profound statement of faith, but it's also one that's really hard to make when you look around and you see so much lack and how some people have so much and others have so little. And in the face of climate change, the way that the poorest, most vulnerable communities are already facing the effects that other people who have more resources at hand or uh, are wealthier are, are not experiencing yet. Yeah, it's really, it's a collective, the Lord is our shepherd, we shall not want kind of idea, isn't it? Yeah, you've noticed that I've been using us, we, the sort of collective language quite a bit, even though in the psalm, it's the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. And I think that can be a a kind of stumbling block, maybe maybe we could call it a preaching pitfall here on our podcast. What a good phrase. (laughs) But uh, I think the way to understand this is to see this as, that as part of the poetic imagery that, especially in an ancient Near Eastern context, even the, the first person image of a single individual sheep was meant to evoke a collective interpretation. And so the metaphor is about a shepherd and the shepherd's individual sheep. But the unpacking of that metaphor into our actual experience is about God and we together as a collective people. And in that sense, what God has provided for us to, together, we lack nothing that we need. And that's where, as I said, this is both theological and political. That's where this spins into politics and into our own active response to these issues. And these aren't overlooked by the psalm either. Because the psalm talks about God leading us in the paths of how does it put it in in various translations in right paths for the sake of God's name or in the paths of righteousness the the Hebrew there maglesetic is uh, like uh, trails well-worn trails of justice and so the idea here is that as 
uh, people who are called by God's name, God's namesake people, I like to say, that God has skin in the game, is committed to leading us towards justice. What justice looks like in this psalm, maybe justice looks like a table set before enemies. And typically what you would array, that's the verb, uh, before your enemies are troops and weapons. And so it's an interesting spin, a little play on words there, that where we would expect troops arrayed for battle, what God teaches, what God instructs as far as justice, the trails of justice, is to lay out not, not troops, but a banquet, a table. I was trying to find a way to translate that, and I was kind of proud of myself here. Instead of a fist, God lays out a feast. <laughs> and instead of handing out helmets to prepare the troops for battle, God puts on the people's heads anointing oil, a kind of uh, priestly intercessory vocation. Instead of leaving us to fight over the last drop of wine, there is this abundance that there's enough to share. And these images of abundance and generosity, they, they challenge us to treat others not as enemies, not as competitors for limited resources in light of the, the global predicament that we're in, but as those with whom the abundance of God is enough to share. I, I sort of spin this out in my what I would craft as a sermon here to talk about God's policy of justice, that it's not everyone for themselves. It's not every state for itself. Justice means that we work together. Because God is right here with us, we become present to each other as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death so that we walk that valley together with God, with each other. That's the only way to see the other side and come into the light. Mm, that's beautiful. I just I just love that reading of Psalm 23 in that way. I think it's really faithful to what a lot of what's in that text and, and really faithful to our experience today, too. So thanks for that, Tim. No problem. No problem. I, I What I tried to do was to talk about climate change without being totally disconnected from what was happening, perhaps in the poet's mm -hmm. mind. And maybe that's an, an invitation, too, to preachers to read this um, through your local areas particular lens as well you know this psalm will sound very different in an urban setting than in a ranching setting than in an um, agricultural setting but it will lift something will will lift itself out of the text when it's read through that particular setting um in light of this whole issue of climate change as well yeah yeah Sounds like some fun sermons. I hope you guys take this up, uh, this challenge up, because I think it could lead to some really great conversations. So enjoy dwelling in Psalm 23. Um, you'll get another couple opportunities to do it in the Revised Common Lectionary. So enjoy this and look forward to the next. Head on over to our website and leave us a comment or just share us at your next local text study meeting. Until next time, I'm Rachel Wren. And I'm Tim McNinch. Happy preaching. <laughs>